the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Welcome to the candy shop. Welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Welcome to the candy shop. Oh, feel like we going through mad things. Gotta keep it real when they choose not. We gon' talk about it when the news drop. Welcome to the show where you know we don't fake this. Keep your opinion to yourself if it don't make sense. Hey, 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 Podcast Nation, it's your girl, Candidly Kristen, and this is The Candid Shop, your number one destination for candid conversations. Today, I am really excited to be sitting down for a much-needed chat about grief and grieving. I am joined for this important discussion by a few amazing guests. First up, we have Cindy Burns, facilitator of the Widows and Widowers Support Group on Facebook, Finding Purpose, and the Facebook page, Widows and Widowers Finding Purpose. Next, we have Hope Rieger, founder of Grief to Hope, a virtual peer grief support group. Hope says, grief changes your entire world. It can also inspire you to change the world. Next up, we have certified grief support specialist, grief facilitator, author, and founder of Beautiful Minds, LLC, Miss Choice Simmons. And last but certainly not least, is author of Men Grieve 2, Tools to Help Men Deal, Mr. Paul David Madsen. Welcome, 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 all of you amazing people to the Candid Shop. Glad to be here. Thank Thanks so for much. having us. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to have this really, really important chat. Grief and grieving are topics that most people don't want to discuss, at least not in a really honest way, but everyone has an opinion when someone else is grieving. They have an opinion on the length, the expression, or lack thereof of someone else's grieving. So I wanted to talk about it. So I think I'd like to start with kind of giving a definition of grief, and then you guys can add or just comment on the definition that I give. Now, I found this. There were a bunch of them, but I thought this one was a good one. Grief is the anguish experienced after significant loss, usually the death of a beloved person, but it can be the loss of anything the individual holds dear. Grief often manifests in physiological distress, separation anxiety, confusion, yearning, obsessive dwelling on the past, and apprehension about the future. So, Given that definition, if each of you in turn could tell me if you agree, disagree, would add anything to that specific definition of grief, and we'll start with hope. Yeah, I I think that definition is good. I think grief is, I Googled it one time myself, like the average grief time. And I think one of the myths about grief is the amount of time, like it's forever in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so when I Googled it, because I, I did that one time, it said two years. The average right. grief is two years. So I think my take on grief is is something that we have in our hearts forever. And it's something that stays with us and cannot be healed with time. We can actually move forward, but I think that's probably the one to add. Okay. And Cindy? Yeah, there is no expiration date on grieving. The active grieving, the you know, where you just consumes you day in and day out that length of time 
varies with the individual, but you will always, especially if it's a person, you mm -hmm. will always grieve for that person. There's grieving such as uh, loss of a job, yeah. loss of a friendship. Those are all, you know, different kinds of grief as well. I agree. I agree. And choice. Uh, yeah, so I agree with the definition that you gave and also to piggyback on what Hope and Cindy said. I, I do not believe that there is an expiration date on grief. As Cindy said, there's so many different types of grief. And I'm a firm believer that you grieve because you loved. And so the amount of love that you have for that thing that you have lost or that person that you have lost will determine how long you're going to grieve that person. I feel like grief is an array of an emotions that you go up and down with throughout your entire life that you are left here on earth. Some good days and some bad days. And as Hope said, grief never leaves. Mm -hmm. I hate when a person try to put a number to anything because my grief or your grief or anyone else who's grieving, we determine how long we grieve. No one else. Agreed. And Paul? I with all the other speakers, Hope and Cindy Choice, and your your definition as well. When I did my research for Men Grieve Too, I think the famous my favorite quote coming out of that was simply that we always we, we grief all the time. I mean, it never goes away. We just get used to it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it, that's really true because it's always below the surface. But we just get used to it and go go about our daily lives type of thing. So yeah, I agree with 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 your definition and the the comments of the other guests. Yes, I Paul same. I think you all like hit it right on the head. I think the other thing and second to length when people want to determine for you the length of your grief is oh. the manner that you grieve. I think that's the second thing that kind of is my pet peeve when people are like, oh, you're crying too much or you're not crying at all. You know, like there's some one way to grieve. Like I just, that's my other thing. So the length and the manner of expression or lack of expression, because everybody doesn't boohoo and stuff a lot, but they're still grieving. You know what I mean? So I have a Facebook group for the podcast called Candidly Speaking. And I like to do polls in the group so I can kind of gauge topics that people want to hear and to do research for topics. So I posted this question as a poll question in the group. Have you ever felt like your family and or friends expected your way and length of grieving for whatever you lost to be different than it was? And of the respondents, an overwhelming 72% said yes, they had felt like that. 28% said no. But 72% to me says that there is a problem in the way that people who are not grieving interact with people who are grieving. That's right on. I mean, I, I talk about do men grieve all wrong? And, mm. you know, the society tends to decide or try to decide how we should grieve and how long we should grieve. And as everybody on this panel knows, it's, it's an individual journey. Absolutely. Well, you know, men aren't supposed to be emotional and all that. So, <laughs> they, say. <laughs> but, so they say, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was doing my research and looking for that definition, I came, I've always heard about the stages. So at first, 
I, I thought they were five, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. But then I saw seven. Right. So the seven stages are shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, and then acceptance. Accurate or no for either one of them in terms of stages. And there, is there an order? And I'd like each of you to weigh in on that. Well, I'd like to add one, and that's what I call pre-grieving or anticipatory grief, where, well, in my case, my husband had lung cancer, and we knew about partway through that it was going to be terminal, and he stopped all treatment. And I think he and I both did a little bit of pre-grieving, mm-hmm. and but that you can't confuse that with okay once he's actually passed then i'll you know it won't be so bad now that's not true okay but you're you're grieving for you know what could be okay i think my biggest thing is that i don't agree with stages however i think you go through these things but i think you could go over them and over and over them like it's not like one and you're done like that was the worst thing that when my son passed away one of the biggest things was i felt like i was grieving wrong because i wasn't hitting these stages and i was thinking okay how long does a stage last is it a week is it a two week and so one of the things that i've uncovered with grief is one is that you can go through different stages at different times for different links and there may be a period where you don't go through a stage and that every grief is unique as a snowflake and that's what i say it is completely different for every single person just like your fingerprint so when it comes to stages i just i don't know if i can clarify like i i don't like saying these five stages or seven stages i think it could all hit and you could be going through five stages at once Mm. It just, it really depends, but I think it's really on the individual. Okay. I definitely, I definitely agree with Hope. I agree with Cindy as well. And when we talk about the stages of grief, I also look at stages based on the individual person. As Hope said, you can go through five stages, seven stages. It can be 10 stages if you want to add your own because we're each individually grieving something or a loss. So when we look at the stages that were given, the five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, that may be based on one individual person. But as well, I did some research on my own and I ran across stages of grief for, for a person of color. And they are similar, but, but are not necessarily the same. They say that those five stages are despair, self-blame, moving to action, survival and and endurance. As me, as a woman of color, I may go through all five of these stages. I may not go through any of them, but just like Hope said, our grief is unique. She said it's individual, it's unique. And and it's as different as each person's fingerprint and how we grieve and, and what we are grieving will determine what stages are, what that looks like. You had talked about with your poll, people rushing you. And when Mm -hmm. I think about the stages, somebody may say that you shouldn't be angry for so long, or you shouldn't be depressed or get over it and accept it. And they may try to rush you. But what I see is that people rush you because they themselves 
are uncomfortable. Are, are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They are uncomfortable or they want, they're coming from a place of love and they don't want to see you hurting. They don't want to yeah. see you angry. They don't want to see you depressed. And so they want you to hurry up and to get over those things once for yourself and maybe because of, for them and how right. it makes them feel. But I don't like putting stages or steps on grief or anything that we, that we do in life because it may look different for each one of us day to day. Absolutely. Well, choice you the the different stages for BIPOC people. Did it say why they were different? I that I had never I didn't run across that in my research. So that's interesting to me. I think it's based on our culture, our upbringings, and okay. and and the way that we as BIPARs are raised. But I will have to. I, I'm pretty sure in my notes, I do have an explanation as to why they look different. But okay. although they are different, they are the same. Right. And Paul, the men in grieving, I wanted your voice in this conversation because men are often excluded from any topics that touch on emotions. And grief is <laughs> certainly a topic that touches on emotion. So in terms of stages and men in particular, what are your thoughts? Well, it, it's I agree with all the other panelists in, in the, the individuality, whether it's no matter what the background of, of grief. And with men, I, I went, I lost my wife and my daughter pretty close together. Mm -hmm. And I went to a lot of grief groups and there were just very, they're like five men and 40 women in these mm -hmm. groups. That's what kind of spawned the whole Men Grieve 2 book. And I I, I just, I, I like to call it types of grief rather than stages. Okay. I mean, the, the, the stages are cemented in the culture and pe everybody knows about the five or seven stages of, of grieving. But it's when we hear the word stages, just as the panelists have said, it, it comes down like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be at this stage, and then I'm supposed to be at this stage, and it's like we're supposed to find a chart. Right. And as Pamela said, there's no chart. It's all individual, and let's talk about types of grief, and we circle back in and out of these types of grief all the time, don't we? Absolutely, and for the types are for you. Are they specific that you can name them for me? Well, I mean, I... I, I you know, it, it's the Kubler Ross type things, but I put okay. in my book, I talk about sweepers, weepers, sheepers, leapers, and keepers. So the sweepers are the, the guys who sweep it all under the rug, right? Okay, yeah. And the weepers are the ones who can't get over it. And the sheepers, they're just paralyzed. You know, they're just sheep, basically. The leapers are the guys who jump too soon into something else, maybe a new relationship, mm -hmm. maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe moving, maybe quitting a job. And then keepers, they're the ones that hold it all as close to home. That's kind of our ultimate acceptance goal. Okay. <laughs> There's my book in 30 seconds. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. So Cindy, you had, I did have a, a bullet for anticipatory loss versus sudden loss. And you you brought it up. So I'm just going to segue into it. Does it change the grief or the grieving process if you know someone is ill like my mother had lung cancer diagnosis to death was a very tight window so while we kind of knew it was coming it was still pretty sudden 
but long illness ending in, you know, that's terminal versus car accident or a crime or something like that, does it change the grief or the grieving process, in your opinion, each of you? And anybody can go first. Well, I think it depends on each individual because maybe the initial grief, the shock of it, you know, that, I mean, your body, shock is right. a physiological response. So in that way, yes, I do think there is a difference to sudden death and, or expected death. Mm-hmm. But once that shock has gone, I think it's, they're, they're very similar. Okay. I also believe it's the type of grief. So as you guys spoke on, as Cindy mentioned, which I like the way she put it, pre-grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're prepared or you know that it's coming, I think those who may have lost someone due to suicide or someone who have lost someone you know, suddenly or not suddenly be due, due to their own hand. I think it's, it's for me, I've lost my mom and my dad, but I've lost them at different stages of stages in my life. My mom passed on my 21st birthday. My father passed when I was five. So there's so many different things that come with me losing my mom and how she passed suddenly. She went to sleep, but then she didn't wake up. And then when I think about the grief of my very close cousin who who lost her grandchild, but her grandchild was killed by the hands of her own child, mm-hmm. that's different. And so that that magnitude and that loss, I think it looks different based on me losing a parent versus her losing her grandchild. It, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Hope or Paul? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that when you look at death and and like the pre-death or the pre-grieving, I think what falls into place is really death in itself is shocking. And no matter how that, you know, is absorbed, even when you're dealing with health, you always have that hope, right? Like, you know, that's a miracles happen kind of thing. I think when there's tragedies or suicides or those kind of things, I think the only difference is I feel the survivor or the surviving person's guilt. Like mm. that's where I think that that grief comes into play a little different. Like if you've gotten to say goodbye and and there was you knew it was coming and those kind of things, that isn't as heavy as somebody that didn't get to say goodbye, that doesn't understand why, you know, they took their own life or they were murdered as my son was, you know, you have all these questions. And so I think it's the grief or the, the, the death is not different as much as the way that things happen and the survivor's guilt after the death, I think is what really takes into to effect of that. I don't think grief is different. I think it's the survival and and the survivor's guilt of like the what ifs, those kind of things play into that. Got it. Got it. I agree with with that. And I mean, I, my, my wife and my daughter's death were both slow and prolonged. And we had time to prepare and say goodbye and all that kind of thing. And then I, I have a good friend who's whose wife just dropped dead making dinner from a brain mm. aneurysm. And, you know, the, the or and I, I'm aware of another couple whose teenage children, two of them, 
died in a car accident at the mm. same time. And that whole trauma surrounding that is just adds to the loss factor, the grief factor. And, you know, I, 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 there's no good death. Right. And, you know, we, we grieve ahead of time. A lot of times for many, many times caregivers grieve for years as they know of a terminal illness or something like that. And then uh, then you have, boom, that tragedy where everybody left the house the morning and then they get the call that, yeah. guess what, your your loved one is dead. And so that's, I don't know, I know pre-grief or trauma grief, it's not about what's worse, right. but it is just about different. They're all all grief is different and most grief is bad yeah so when we talk about grief the first at the forefront is the grieving the death of a, a person but grief over the loss of a job the loss of a marriage the loss of a pet anything that somebody holds dear does that show up different and i know a lot of people do not are not as empathetic when somebody goes oh you know i had to put my dog down and they're you know they're grieving that and people are like it's a dog <laughs> you know what i mean so I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about non-death of a person grief and how that shows up and is that any different from the death of a person or grieving the death of a person to you guys personally I'll jump in. I had 30 years of work in staffing, recruitment, placement, headhunting, business, human resources. And I interviewed thousands of people and many of them, you know, have been separated or fired or loss of a job. And maybe mm -hmm. they were in their career for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's some grief, too. That's yeah. very traumatic to these people because their whole life is upset so yes grief takes a lot of forms agreed i think one of the things that one is people are ashamed of grief if it's not a death of a loved one like if they lose their pet they're ashamed like there's some stigma out there about it mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i think what we have to realize with grief is your life is changing your yeah. life in some way or form has changed now, whether it's a divorce, a loss of job, an illness, a dog, a cat, whatever, you know, your spouse, that changes your whole everyday kind of living. And so to me, I think we have such, we, we should show more compassion when it comes to any types of grief mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be sheltered just like, oh, you've lost your dog. Okay. Well, you got, you know, 20 minutes to get over it. Right. Uh, those kind of things, right. Which is what we do. Right? You better be at work tomorrow kind of thing. So right. I think it's the impact that we make on what grief is, but it's changed in our life and so i think we have to show way more compassion yeah. in whatever that may be i agree i agree anybody else want to weigh in on that okay i'd like to weigh in on what hope just touched on okay with the you better be at work tomorrow <sighs> i i think it's it's a, it, it's horrible the way grievers are treated by the work in the workforce some places they allow you a whole three days off. Yeah. Doesn't matter what the relationship was, you know, they could have been your 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 son, your grandparent, 
you know, an aunt or yeah. a spouse. And you still get those three days off. Yeah. And many times they're, they're out of town. And most most funerals don't get planned and held within three days. Agreed. So, yeah. Yeah. I got off my soapbox now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Choice, any comment? I just agree with what the speakers have said, especially when you look at Hope has said something about compassion. And I think regardless if it's a loss or if we're dealing with grief, that one thing as humans that we forgot is that we we should be providing everyone with compassion, regardless of of the, you know, the situation. And when it comes to grief, as I mentioned before, some people are just uncomfortable. And because of their uncomfortability, they the way they respond also determines how we respond. When I when I think about myself and I, I speak of the loss of an identity a lot. For me, I, I lost who I was as an individual when I lost my mom. And I picked up so many other different roles as a caretaker, caring for my younger brother, caring for everyone, honestly. And if someone someone can look at my loss of identity as not being as important as losing my mom. But it had, as Hope said, it changes you. It changes, a loss changes you regardless of what type of loss it is. And you're changed forever. But you learn to adapt and you learn to cope and you learn how to manage that grief. And then things begin to look differently. But regardless of what type of loss it is, it is still a process of go- that you have to go through to to find that hope and that joy again. Yeah. And that is an awesome segue into ways to manage grief. Yeah. I like to spend a little bit of time for the, the person that has suffered the loss, ways to manage the grief. And I know that grief is very, very individual, but I was hoping to glean some general tips from you guys for the people that will hear this that may be grieving whatever they're grieving ways to to manage it i would like to start off and i would like to say do not be afraid of seeking counseling being able to go to someone that's not a family or not a friend to be able to talk about the things that you are feeling to get a better understanding of how to process and manage those feelings it's okay to, to go to a counselor. I think it is very important that you either seek an individual counselor or you find find groups to be able, you know, group support to be able to talk to others because what you don't realize is that there is someone that is going through the same thing as you also need to hear what you're going through to kind of help them as well mm-hmm. as you are able to get the same support and help that you need. So that's one thing that I would say, finding healthy ways of grieving, but not being afraid of of seeing a counselor. I, I Because I know in my culture, you know, they, they tell you that you, what goes on in your house stays in your house. And so you think that you have to walk around and you have to carry the burdens and the weight of the world on your shoulders as you're grieving and still trying to work and take care of your family and take care of yourself and you're spiraling and then it affects your your mental health. So that that is one thing that I say is do not be afraid of seeking counsel how you know during this time. Great. I agree. 
choice from a male perspective. You know, a lot of men don't want to talk about it. They want to keep everything buttoned up and, you know, the whole John Wayne, rub some dirt on it, Pilgrim, that kind of thing. You know, don't, mm-hmm. don't show your, your pain, don't show your emotions. But I really agree with choice in that I, I went to a counselor after my losses and it was really, really helpful. And I mean, the, the, one, of the, one of the quotes I made of him in my book, Men Grieve Too, is that I said, he said, you know, Paul, you know, you're still here. Mm. You know, I can, I can feel self-pity or, or whatever, or, or, you know, and it, it does, grief does go on. But, you know, I'm still here and I have to serve others, serve my sons and serve, you know, they lost their mother and their sister. And I have to be here for them and have to be here for other people. I'm still here. And the counselor, I agree with choice, helped me realize that. Yep, I agree too. So I absolutely agree with Choice and Paul. Like that's what I live to do. One of the things that I I uncovered with myself was having inspiration every day to get out of bed and focus mm. on something and that way to live. I was wanting to live for myself, but also my son who didn't get to. So my my day-to-day life is, okay, what am I going to do to honor him today? What am I going to do to get up, get motivated, find that inspiration? And that's one of the things that started with Grief to Hope. And so my group, what I do is it's a support program that's virtually ran. But it took me, you know, three years to finally figure out what that inspiration was, what my purpose was, what I wanted to do. And then, of course, I wanted to get that out there and just, just like Joyce said choice that is open it up for people to just come take that grief mask off and be themselves and be around others and share their story because the most impactful thing that we can do is share our stories like we're doing here today and getting this word grief out so people when it happens to you there's not an overwhelmingly surprised event. Like we do not talk about grief every day and it happens every second. So yeah. one of the things that I that I emphasize is we have to share our stories. We have to start talking about this. And it, and it has to be something that we we don't hide away in and be ashamed of the way that we feel and the way that we're feeling. Because if I would have known that I was not going to cry 24 seven, like I saw in the movies, right? (laughs) I wouldn't have had that guilt. Like, why am I not crying 24 hours a day? Like, why am I like, and I caught myself smiling one time and I was like, how can I be smiling? So the shock and the awe, it's like when you're grieving, that's the worst time to be surprised about what you to, what to expect. And so I completely agree. Find a program, find somebody to talk to. Yep. Agreed. One of the things I like to leave people with is you don't have to do it alone. Uh, You may have the best support system in place who, who love you and care for you and lift you up. But unless they've been through it themselves, they can't really identify with you. And it's really beneficial to be with at least one person who has been there and I didn't go to any grief support. I just didn't want to sit in a room full of a bunch of other people crying. Mm-hmm. It's not 
from my understanding now, it's not what it was all about. <laughs> but yeah, I I think I think talking about grief has gotten to be a little bit more acceptable mm -hmm. than it did even eleven years ago when I lost my husband. And I think that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I agree. It's an awesome thing. So my next question to you guys is how do you as a non the non-grieving person the friend the the co-worker the whatever how do you really effectively help someone cope with their grief with compassion and empathy what are some do's and don'ts for those on the outside of the grief looking in what what can they do what like really helpful things to do do's and don'ts like don't say oh you're still crying I, you know <laughs> so if you guys could could give me and my listeners that because there's somebody listening who's got a friend who suffered a loss and they just don't know how to help them one of our one of our meetings is called receive help and we talk about like how to receive help but how to ask for help and we always have that pride factor like mm -hmm. i i can do it all myself or i don't need any help and so the best thing i can suggest for anybody is first don't say if you need anything just ask because mm -hmm. i can guarantee you we're never going to ask you <laughs> for anything um, and i can guarantee you most of the time we don't even know what the heck we need so that lovely saying, and I know people that relieves them, right? That's just yeah, for them. Yeah. That's to say, okay, I said I'll help them if they need it, is to do and whatever mm -hmm. that to do means. And so if it means mow their grass, if it means pick up their kids, if it means babysit their kids. But one of the greatest things I found is if you are grieving, find a friend that you trust that you can give a list of things that you need help with. And I'm okay. talking, pick up the kids, take the dog to the vet, you know, grab pizza, whatever it is. And when somebody comes to you and says that question, what can I do? Or, you know, if you need anything, just ask, or I'm here, you send them to that friend and you say, hey, Susie has my list of things that I can really use your help with. If you want to ask her and if there's something you can do, great. And that relieves the pressure off you and mm -hmm. it gives them sort of that, that desire to help. They can actually, it's physically comes in kind oh. of situation. So that's the got best it. advice I can give for that. Write some marching orders. Okay, got it. <laughs> and I agree. I agree with that. And I mean, you know, too often, uh, I, what what Hope's talking about is 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 uh, so many people say, "Oh, what can I do? Call me if I can do anything. Let me know what I can do to help." And and when we're all students stirred up from grief, we have no idea. Right. I, I loved it when some friends of mine they just showed up at my house. Mm -hmm. And they had a great meal and they made no appointment. They knocked on the door, you know, and they came in and they set it up and I didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to coordinate any details. I, you know, they just, they just did it. And, and, you know, no one's going to turn that away. And right. you know, I, I agree, pick up your kids, take the dog to the vet, just do something for somebody because they don't know what they need. They're, the worst question in the world is call me if I can help. I agree hundred percent. I, I really love the the whole, and I, I did so much research for Men Grief too that I, I honestly can't remember who said this, but it was a wonderful, profound 
kind of a male-ish bottom line thing. And it just said, you just show up and shut up. Hmm. <laughs> you don't have to have the great perfect thing to say. Just okay. show up and shut up. Okay. That goes for women too, not just It sure does. It sure does. Because that's, another, exa that's exactly uh, what I was thinking. I apologize. I'm frozen, so I do apologize if I overspeak you. But I agree with Paul. Just show up and shut up. Sometimes you people think that you have to have that perfect thing to say, mm -hmm. that you have to try to solve their problems and you know we as humans, we, we are problem solvers, some of us at least, and most of us at least. And, mm -hmm. and when you're, when a person is grieving, there's, we already know what the problem is, but we cannot take the pain away that they are feeling and right. just being there, just being that shoulder. I love, I believe, I hope it was hope that list, just finding that one person to give that list to, because Everybody wants to be there and support you after the loss. And then as time goes on, not that mm. they haven't, they have forgotten that you are grieving or they're hope, hoping that you have gotten over the grief. There are still things that need to be done. And until yeah. that person knows what they need, because at the time we don't know what we need. So when you say anything that you need, it's like, I, I don't know what I need. But just being there and letting the person or people know that you are there for them and just showing up and sending words of affirmation, words of encouragement to remind them that they are not alone and that someone is there, I think is very important. I agree with choice and hope and Paul. <laughs> You've all had great points. Yes. The one thing I'd like to stress is don't assume that after three months, six months, five years, whatever, that they don't still need you. Yes. Don't turn your back on them. Yes, maybe, you know, we as the griever have changed because of our grief. But maybe you've changed also in the way that you deal with us. So mm -hmm. give us the benefit of the doubt and still include us in group activities, yeah. Or, you know, lunches, what, whatever you would normally include somebody in. Don't mm -hmm. just say, oh, she's, she's going to feel awkward because she's not part of a couple and we're all couples. Right. Let, let us decide that. Right. You know, and don't secondary loss, which is the loss of other things other than your person is very strong in some people. Mm -hmm. And that's defined partly as the loss of a friendship. And that's got, you know, a whole new set of grief feelings and, and attachments in itself. And to compound the initial reason why you're grieving, it's just, it, it's, it's not a lot of fun. Right. No. Great point, Hope. That so was a really great point. Thank you all for that. Oh, I don't know where the time went. Honestly, I'm looking at this clock. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Jeez. <laughs> so, because there are four of you, I want to give each of you in turn number one an opportunity to give your last thoughts, speaking directly to the people who will hear this about this topic, and then. 
I'd like you also to say who you are and what it is that you do, what you have going on, and how people can contact you. And I think I want to start with Cindy. My one big word of advice, that's a big word, is mm. go ahead and feel your feelings. Mm. Don't bury them because they'll come back and bite you in the rear eventually. Yeah, yeah. Feel your feelings. Admit, you know, give them a name. You know, disappointment, fear, guilt, you know, yeah. all those kind of different things that aren't talked about in the stages of grief. Right. And just, but you let, you let them come, you let them visit, you don't invite them to stay. I love it. <laughs> give, give them a little bit of time every so often. You know, when, when they, when they pop their head in the door, you know, you just go ahead and okay, I see you, and cry, scream, yell, write, mm. draw, whatever your release is, do that, but then don't wallow in it. Got it. Let the next emotion come. I love it. Yeah. And Cindy, how, what, give my listeners how they can connect with you and your group. Well, I primarily focus on widows and widowers. Okay. And my Facebook group and widower support group, it comma finding purpose. It's a great resource. And I'm opening it up through the holidays to anybody who's grieving anything. I will give a free session to anybody who just just needs somebody to talk to who kind of gets maybe what they're going through. Awesome. And you can let me know, um, send me a message through Cindy Judd Burns on Facebook, or my email is cindy at cindyjburns.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Cindy. And Hope? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. My best advice is to honor those that have lost by living with inspiration, hope, and commitment, and to never waste a moment because those days pass quickly as you are, you know, now that you're grieving. So invest in yourself and by honoring them each and every day. So those are, that's sort of like my high thing is to just really invest in hope and commitment to yourself. And that's honoring them each and every day and living for them. They didn't live that life that they didn't get to is the best way to honor them. And to reach me, I have Grief to Hope. It is a virtual support group. We start a new session in January. It's completely free. It's seven weeks. As well as I have a Grief to Hope book. If virtual Zoom is not your thing, that book is on Amazon. But you can reach anything you need to know about me through my website at grief2hopesupport.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Hope. And Paul? five words as a summary and that is simply this your grief journey is yours yes it's just you know we we all talk and we all have all this stuff going on and 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 you know what i might feel anger a year into it i'm 18 months away from the death of my wife and i burst out into tears just the other day about one simple little stupid word mm-hmm. and you know it 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 it, it don't worry, grievers. Don't worry about what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You do what you do. And so your grief journey 
is yours. I'm at growmedia.com is my website, growmedia.com. My book is Men Grieve 2, available on Amazon. Seems to be getting a lot of good traction lately. And my email is paul at growmedia.com, growmedia.com. And Candace, I I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I think we're uh, we're we're helping folks, and I, I I wish everybody the best. Thank you, Paul. That's the goal. That's the goal. And Choice Simmons, last but certainly not least. Yeah, I would again love to thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been amazing to be on this call with all of these lovely individuals to hear what they have to say. For me, I will leave the listeners with take one day one minute, one hour at a time. Your grief is your own. There is no time frame on it. It may look differently because it is uniquely yours. As I mentioned before, you grieve because you loved. So the harder the grief is because of how much you loved. And so don't beat yourself up. Do not feel like you have to do it alone. Um, and again, take one one hour, one minute, one day at a time and leaning into, you know, whatever it is that next best, that next thing is. Um, yes. For me, you can find me on Facebook, Choice Simmons on Facebook, and that's Choice with a Y. You can also email me at beautifulminds with an S, cclc at gmail.com. I just recently authored, co-authored my first book. So if you are interested in that, you can find information on Facebook about that. And I also will be posting a one-day grief support, navigating grief during the holidays, how to survive grief unexpectedly with no expectations. That information will also be uh, posted on Facebook. You can call me directly or email me for any other information that you guys may need. And again, thank you for this opportunity. Listen, I just want to thank each and every one of you for sharing your stories, sharing your experiences, and I'm going to say expertise because not everybody knows what it's like to grieve. So when you are part of the grief family, you know, I'm, I'm, I was just so delighted to have each and every one of you, Paul, you especially, because men in grieving is, seems to be a whole other animal, but each of you individually, I'm just really, really thankful that you made time to sit and talk with me today. And to the people that will hear this, all of my guest information, contact information. If you didn't have a pen, you didn't catch it, you couldn't hear it, it will be in the show notes with clickable links so that you can decide who you might want to reach out to and connect with. It'll all be in the show notes. So thank you, Hope. Thank you, Cindy. Especially thank you, Cindy, because I know you were not feeling your best today. Thank you, Paul, for the last minute decision to, to join me. I know it was super last minute. And Choice, thank you so much for joining me. And guys, I have to give my, you know, my call to action for you to visit my website at www.thecandidshopcandidwithak.com. Listen, subscribe, share, follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Candid Shop Podcast, and tell your friends about the show, okay? And until the next time, this is actually my last episode for my second season. I'll be taking a break to do some family things and enjoy the holiday season, and we'll be back in early February. So until then, I want each and every one of you to keep it safe, keep it healthy, and keep it candid.